I want to stretch you tonight. I want to take another crack at uh, Revelation chapter 2, the church at Thyatira. And I want to expound on something. But I want you to begin by uh, opening your Bibles up, if you'd be willing, to Acts chapter 2. There's a point in camp, okay? I always find it interesting. There's a point in camp where God can break in and He can do whatever He wants to do, okay? That's, that's true. So don't hear me. I'm not limiting God on this. But there's a point in camp where... God has moved in some people's lives, and I want to just continue to stretch you. And my personal feeling is, if, 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 you haven't, if you haven't allowed him to open your eyes thus far, maybe next year. I mean, it's, it's Thursday night, and uh, I, I've got like nine cracks at you, eight cracks at you. And I really want to press you uh, in your walk with Jesus. And I went around today, and I probably talked to a good 50 of you, maybe more, about what God did in your life at camp. I heard a whole variety of things. Um, some were a little bit more dis- disappointing. Some were really, I was impressed by how deep you know you were and what you were saying, what God was doing. The consistent one was, is I got a picture of Christianity that I never had before. That's the most consistent one. In fact, one girl, just, she's neat anyway, but one girl looked at me and she goes, I always thought that Christianity was just coming to church and like not killing anyone. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's not bad. It's a good start. She goes, but I thought it was just like coming to church and being a good person and, and, you know, reading your Bible and, you know, not worshiping Satan. And she's like, I had, I had no idea. I had no idea it was bigger than that. And of course, then we begin to talk, uh, talk to her about, as well as some of you about reading the Bible. And, and, and some of you were honest and I appreciated it. You said stuff like the Bible's boring and it can be. But when you're getting in the Word to get to know Jesus, it is an altogether different deal. I'm telling you. It's an altogether different deal. And some of you are going to go home and say, I want Jesus to speak to me like He has this week on a regular basis. You understand, and many of you understand this, I am no one special. I'm, I'm serious. I am an ordinary, average, everyday guy. Just normal. Other than the fact I don't have a home and I preach all the time and travel every week to a different city. Other than that, I'm a normal guy. It goes from town to town. I'm no one special. I don't have any special gifts, talents, and abilities. I'm not uh, over, you know, overly intelligent. Just a normal guy. And so do not attribute God moving in your life to me. Because, I mean, yeah, I was the guy that stood up and talked to you. But I talked to you about what this says. This is how Jesus speaks to you. I really want you to have that. Some of you are shaking your heads, and yes, it's registering with you. Others of you, I'm not sure if you're convinced. If you want Jesus to speak to you, this is how he does that, okay? Go home and just eat the word. Just eat it up, okay? But nonetheless, the this consistent comment that I had this week was I received a picture of Christianity that I never received before. And I want to talk to you tonight a little bit more because we didn't get at it like I wanted to last night. We talked about the consequence of a son of God who tolerates sin. And you guys, it is devastating. I want to say one quick thing regarding the tolerating sin. You want to know how devastating it is. The best illustration I can give you. You want to know how devastating it is when a son of God, a child of God, tolerates sin? Go back and look at Adam and Eve. Look at what spilled out of them. I mean, you are living in that. You, know what, you want to know the consequence of a young man who falls into sin, he is no longer a man of God that God could use 
and just devastatingly affect the kingdom in a positive way, that young of man will turn into a weapon in the hands of the enemy. That's how significant you are. You're not angels. You're not, you are human beings that were created for a purpose. And when you are no longer used by Jesus, it's not like if I'm not used by Jesus, well, I'm not going to be used by the enemy. I'll just do my own thing. If you're not used by Jesus, you're going to be used by Satan. That's just how it is. Does that make sense? For those of you who are, who are husbands in this place, uh, and those of you who are dating and engaged or whatever, um, I hear dads all the time tell me, well, yeah, I'm really not the spiritual head of my household. He says my wife is. That's not true. There is no place in the scripture that I can find, and I'm open for correction on this, but I can't find anywhere in the scripture where it says, if a man is not the spiritual head of the household, the woman can be. That's not true. If the man is not the spiritual head of the household, guess who is? Satan. So you want to know the consequences, girls, of marrying a guy who doesn't love Jesus? That's it. And if that's what you want. And that's just the men. I'm telling you, it is absolutely, utterly devastating when a beautiful young girl is not filled with Jesus, but lets her mind operate the way that she clothes herself, the way she walks, the way she talks, to be filled with the enemy. She is no longer a child of God. She is a weapon in the hands of the enemy that it will devastate young men. Period. That's the consequence. I, I want you to walk away from here this week realizing how significant you are in the eyes of, uh, in the eyes of, of Jesus, how he's created you to live, okay? how he's called you to walk. Everyone in this place is wonderfully and beautifully made for a, for a specific purpose. And when you do not respond to that purpose, you cease to be a blessing. You know, in the Bible, there's only blessings and curses. That's it. If you are not a blessing, you are a period. Isn't that frightening? Really? That's, there's, one, there's only one or two. If you're not a blessing, you're a curse. So if I could sum up really quickly, when we're talking about a child of God, what we're talking about is not someone who just has right activities. We're not talking about someone who has, um, has uh, um, you know, uh, the right kind of actions. They do the right kind of things. They are, uh, you know, they go to church on Sunday. Uh, you know, they have the right kind of knowledge. They have the right kind of philosophy. They go to the right kind of church. That's not Christian. You do not have to be a Nazarene to be a Christian. <laughs> yeah. You may not have correct theology, but you, yeah, you can still be a Christian, okay? <laughs> Your parents would find that real funny, but anyway. So, hey, you don't have to be an Nazarene to be a Christian, because Christianity is not even really about correct theology. It's not. Christianity is about being a spirit-filled person, period. If you, want to be a, if you want to be a Christian, become a spirit-filled person. And you would say, now, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the jumble up. Why I, had you, why I had you turn to Acts chapter 2, and there's only one little small part there, but... Why I had you turn to Acts chapter 2 is the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And really, it's God acting through the Apostles the way he acted through Jesus. Okay? Acts chapter 2 is this famous event called Pentecost. Okay? And, and if, if you know anything about the history of Jesus, um, Pentecost is the concluding ceremony in Jewish culture. It's the concluding ceremony to the Passover. Okay? And can anybody tell me the significance of the Jewish Passover and how that ties into Jesus? Yes, sir. 
Very good. How's that tied to Jesus? Yes, sir. That's right. Egypt, Old Testament, book of Exodus. But what does that mean for Jesus? How did Jesus fulfill that? On the day of Passover, Jesus was crucified. Jesus died on Passover. Okay? Here's how this works. Stay with me, okay? Really quickly. On Passover, Jesus died. Okay? 50 days later from Jesus' death was a day called Pentecost. Can anybody tell me what happened on Pentecost? Anybody know? The Holy Spirit descended on 120 disciples. The big deal of Christianity, and this, this amazes me, it really amazes me how I never heard this growing up, believe it or not. It amazes me that oftentimes we limit Christianity to the Passover. We limit Christianity to the Passover. In other words, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's what it means to be a Christian. No, it is not. Listen to me. Jesus did not just come to forgive you of your sin. Period. That's not Christianity. Christ, Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. That's why he came. Jesus did not just come to, hey, forgive you of your sin so you could sit there like some grandparents that I've met and just wait to go to heaven. And it's going to be a long wait because you probably never get there. Jesus did not just come to forgive you of your sin and pat you on the head and you sit there and go, wow, now I'm just going to wait to go to heaven. That's not Christianity. Jesus came, died on the cross. Listen to me. Jesus came, died on the cross so that he could forgive you of your sin. And the idea of being forgiven of your sin is that now you can once again have relationship with God in the way that he wants you to. And you say, well, what kind of relationship does that look like? Jesus. And you can literally once again be a child of God like he wants you to be. So literally, the, the Pentecost event, chapter 2 is where Christianity was born. It's where Christians become Christians. Where God is no longer in temples, God is no longer in your churches, God is no longer in buildings. He's no longer in those places. God lives in you. That's the message. And so your grandparents love the statement that if you are a Christian, you are Pentecostal. <laughs> Again, your parents would love that one. Okay? Which, you're too young to get it. But anyway, okay? If you are a Christian, you are a Pentecostal human being. What does that mean? Jesus himself, through the Holy Spirit, lives in my body. Now, you'd say, why am I talking to you about that? Because literally, when you try to describe, when you go home tomorrow, when you go home tomorrow, you're going to try to describe to your friends what took place in your life this week. And don't you dare say, well... I, you know, I was doing some bad things and I'm not going to do those things anymore. Does that describe what happened to you? That you cut out some things, you started doing new things? I hope not. Well, hey, I haven't been going to church like I'm supposed to. I, I'm going to try to go more often. Is that what happened to you? I hope more, I hope more than that. Well, I made some new friends. You've you got to be kidding me, right? That's all that camp was for you? That you come and meet some friends that you're probably not going to see again for a long, long time? That's camp. See, camp is literally, go home to your friends and say, dude, it's crazy. 
another person lives in my body. <laughs> They're going to be like, yeah, wow, hey. Glad you had a nice time. <laughs> okay? Because that's what happens. That's what happens when you're a Christian. You have another person living in you. His name is Jesus Christ. God himself comes down and lives inside of your body. Now, it's interesting what that describes. Again, what that describes is the life of Jesus. Okay? What that describes is the life of Jesus. Jesus came down, if you, if you remember this, those of you who want to listen, just listen. Jesus came down and showed you the kind of life he wants you to live. So why I had you turn to Pentecost is you have 120 disciples that are hanging around the temple. And the Spirit descends upon Pentecost. And the whole chapter describes this. For those of you who are interested, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, give us the details of what happened when the Spirit descends on the disciples. Luke tries to put that into words. From verses 5 down through verse 12, a couple things are recorded. Number one is Luke records to uh, uh, for us how the crowd responds to the Spirit being laid upon the disciples. You know, how the crowd respond to what they did because they stand up and speak in other languages. Literally, everybody hears the gospel in their own language. So it tells what the disciples did and it tells how the crowd responded to them. And it's interesting, when you look at verse 12, it says that the crowd was amazed and perplexed. It mean, That literally means they were thoroughly confused. They literally, stand, they literally stand there looking at this group, 120, speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And everybody's going, what in the world? What is happening? In fact, some of the less spiritual ones say, well, they're loaded. That's what happens. They're drunk. And so Peter stands up in verses 14, 15, and 16 and says, listen, we're not drunk. We're not loaded. He goes, what you're witnessing is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. God had been talking about this day. And then he gives it to him from verse 17 down through verse 21. And then Peter paces back and forth. That's how I see it. Peter paces back and forth and he's thinking to himself, how can I describe to you what's taking place inside of our life? And how Jesus, how, how Peter chooses to describe to the crowd about what's going on in their life is he says, do you know Jesus? Because if you knew Jesus, you would know what's going on inside of us. Because it first went on in him and now it's going on inside of us. And listen to how he describes this. He said, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man who was accredited. That means proved by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. You guys want to know how Jesus did all the things that he did? He was a man that was born from a woman named Mary. God came down and filled him and did phenomenal things in his life. And Peter stands up and says, that's now going on inside of me. If you hear it, I've said it over and over every night. If you want to know what a Christian is, a Christian is a spirit-sourced individual. Okay? That means literally, you, you, you don't have to go home and look at your life as trying hard. You don't have to go home and, and look at discipline. You know, it's not that kind of a thing. You need to go home and say, Jesus, I don't want to do anything apart from you. Get in my mind. Get in my heart. Change me. I want to be your child. I do. I want to live in a romantic relationship with you, God. I invite you into everything that I, I do. As a young Christian, as a young Christian, I was, I was pretty jacked up as a young Christian. I had some substance abuse problems. I'd smoked for 10 years. And um, I just didn't know where to start. 
People said, well, did you stop doing all those things? I was like, if I had stopped doing everything, I would have just like stood around all day long, not doing anything. Because I was so warped. I was so distorted. I was so out there. And so my philosophy immediately was, Jesus, instead of excluding things out of my life, I'm just going to include you into everything that I do. I, w- I want you to go with me. When I turn on the television, I want you to watch it with me. Certain things were obvious, okay? I didn't like rob liquor stores, okay? That was pretty obvious, okay? I didn't watch porn, okay? I didn't lie, I didn't steal, okay? I didn't, I'm, there's certain things were obvious, but like movies. See, where's the line to watch movies? What movie are you supposed to watch? And I've heard people say, well, we don't watch anything that's, you know, not Christian. So you don't watch television. My funny, the funnest one is, we only listen to Christian music. Do you only watch like TBN? That's torture. So I'm not... It's not the response I'm looking for. But the deal is, is that instead of just saying, I only listen to Christian music, what if I just only listen to music that Jesus would listen to? Well, I'm going to exclude places that I go. What if I just invited Jesus into every place that I went? And I just took him with me. What if he just went on every date with me? What if he just went out to the movies with me? What if he went out to hang out with my friends? And that became so prominent in my life, certain people didn't want to hang out with me because I brought Jesus. He went everywhere I went. So Christianity, again, wasn't about rules or lists. And I, I, I talked about that when I was here last time. People used to make fun of me because I talked about the list. Okay? The list of do's and don'ts. I can't, that's not, that's not the deal. It's intimacy, it's oneness. So what, what Peter says is, listen, I'm a child of God, which means I'm a spirit-sourced individual. Jesus moves in my life. I don't just do different things. I am a different person, which means I feel different. In fact, I, you know, you can't mention names, but I, I counseled one girl this week um, with another counselor. We were talking to her, and I, you know, I said, what's going on in you? She goes, I don't know. Something's different. She goes, I just feel different. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about you going home and saying, something's different about me. Something has changed. I feel different. In fact, there's a couple of you have come up to me and said, I'm broken up with this guy. I'm breaking up with this guy when I go home. And I said, hey, don't, don't feel pressure. I didn't tell you to do that kind of a thing. She goes, no, I just feel about him different. It's amazing what happens when Jesus comes in your life, okay? That's Acts. I want you to turn back with me. I only want to look at one verse with you tonight, okay? I think. But I want you to go back with me to, to, to uh, Revelation chapter 2. I want to give you two quick characteristics of a child of God. There are many. Are we on the same page? Oh, I want this. Yes, young lady. Okay. I, I throw people off all the time. Yes. Now, it's a good question. Here she said, she goes, my grandpa always taught me that to be a Christian is to ask Jesus into my life, to come and live in my life. But you're telling me, Jeremiah, that 
if I do all these kinds of bad things, then I'm not a Christian. Is that what you just said? That's what you just said? I don't want to get you wrong. Is that what she said? <laughs> do, you, do you remember what she just said? Okay. Well, again, I think Teresa said it perfect this afternoon. Teresa read, uh, and it just, it angers me, Teresa, because you, you quoted Beyonce Knowles in the statement. She, that, that's, I, I talked about that in the Titus study. That was years ago when she said that. And Usher, on his album, he does. He, says, he, he constantly says that I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. And then he stands up. Have you read the lyrics of Usher? Is that the kind of stuff that you think would come out of my mouth? See, Usher says he's a child of God, a young man filled with God. I tell you that I'm a man filled with Jesus. Okay? Do, you, do, it, do Usher and I talk about the same things? Uh, no. No, we do not. Okay? No, we do not. And you would say, well, who do I choose? What does this say? Don't take my word for it. Don't take, yeah, I don't want to pay you. You would like Usher? Like Usher? I can't sing. Hey, do, do whatever you, but I'm telling you, you want to judge lifestyles here. So Christianity is not just, see, people say Jesus lives in my life. Literally, the, the fruit of Jesus living in your life will show if he is living in your life. Jesus says you will know a tree by their fruit. And, and I gave you the illustration about the pears and the apples. Okay, let's say a Christian is an apple tree. If you go up to a tree and he's like, look at me, I'm an apple tree. But he's got like pears all over him. You're going to be like, you've got issues. Because you're not an apple tree. And he'll look at you and say, don't judge me. Say, what do you mean don't judge? The Bible says don't judge. You know the Bible doesn't say that? Oh, don't judge lest ye be judged. Talking about the world. Paul says you're supposed to judge those inside the church. Period. Meaning discern right from wrong. Not everybody comes up and tells you they're Christians and Christians. So to answer your question in the shortest amount of time is to say that if you have Jesus living in your life, you're going to be a different person. Okay? You're going to be a different person. And someone who has Jesus, say they have Jesus living in their life, and yet they're living a life of sin, they're producing fruit that's not of Christ. That's just not, that's not hard to understand. Does that help? Listen for the rest of this study because it's going to get really plain and it may help. There are two characteristics I want you to have and I want you to have. Okay? There are two characteristics of a child of God. There are many. Go into the book of Galatians chapter 5 tonight before you go to bed, if you can remember. Go into Galatians chapter 5 and list out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, in that passage in Galatians, I don't like ad-libbing. But we are in Michigan. That's not a rip. When you go into, uh, in Galatians, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Galatians chapter 5. Now listen to this. Girls, guys, listen to this. The acts of the sinful nature. What he's saying is the acts of a person who's not filled with the spirit of Jesus. Are you listening to me? The acts of a person who does not have Jesus Christ king and ruling in his life. He is not a Christian are these. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, 20, and 21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, which means you can't miss them. They are sexual immorality, impurity, which is the op opposite of purity, girls. If they walk around like an object, throwing themselves at the world, that is not 
something's wrong. It's called impurity. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Period. So you want to know what the fruit of the Spirit is, you look like Jesus. And, if, and you, don't, you shouldn't have to say, is he a Christian? I'm not sure. It should be obvious. Does he smell like Jesus? Does he have that just attitude of Jesus? Is he burning for Jesus? Is he running after Jesus? Those are all the characteristics of a child of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness, gentleness. I missed a few. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Goodness. See, all of, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, in, in Thyatira, chapter 2, I think it's really significant that Jesus mentions two qualities as a child of God which are fundamental. Now, hear me, please. There are two qualities that are fundamental that cover all the fruits of the Spirit. I've been wrestling with this in recent days. Because I've wondered, why didn't he give all the qualities? There are two are fundamental. He says a child of God in verse 18, if we can bring it up, a child of God has eyes like blazing fire. Now, I think it's rather comical. These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and feet are like bronze glowing in a furnace. Youth pastors, you'll get a kick out of this. You go to the commentators on this, youth pastors, okay, go to the commentators. And uh, what comment... Okay, scholars, really smart people in colleges who study the Bible, they make comments. And those comments are really important. So we take all those comments and we put them in commentaries. And then we study the Bible, we wonder, I wonder what the scholars have to say about this. And we go get that commentary and we read their comments. If you go to those scholars' comments, you go to the commentaries, and you look at what the scholars say about this verse, I laugh. Indirectly at them, but I laugh. Because they say, they say stuff like, oh, Jesus is mad. He's got eyes like blazing fire. <laughs> That's what he says. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. He's mad at sin. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not anger. Do you know the number one sign of holiness in the Bible is fire? God comes to Moses. Moses is walking up, sees this bush. It's on fire, which is not strange in and of itself, but the bush is not being consumed. And Moses says, That's peculiar. not being burned up so he gets a little closer and a voice comes out which is really peculiar doesn't happen all the time and so he gets really close voice calls out take off your sandals the place in which you're standing is holy ground literally holiness is ex it's like exemplified it's it, it's pushed out it's made known by fire all throughout the prophets in the old daniel chapter 7 god appears and he's got these these flaming wheels of fire Literally, fire has to do with holiness. It's refining that kind of concept. Now, listen to this. Jesus has eyes that are flaming fire. What, what, what was he saying? Get, this is beautiful. A son of God has the presence of God living in his life. The holy God is burning inside of them. And when they open their eyes, you see the flames. And the idea is, is literally, you walk around with holy eyes. It talks about a perspective. Listen to me. If you are a Christian... One of the first things that God's going to do, he's going to change your perspective. You're going to see different. 
You're going to go home and stand in your house and go, hold on. I see this a little bit di- different than I did before. You say, give me an example of that. Sin looks different to you, doesn't it? Maybe it doesn't. Based off of last night, whose perspective of sin has changed? That's a whole different deal. Because sin is not a magazine. Sin is not an action done. Sin is not a movie. Sin is not an act that I do. Sin is, it's a different perspective. Come in, Satan. I don't want God ruling over me. I want you ruling over me. It's a perspective change. And I think I mentioned this, that the very first sin, Satan comes to Adam and Eve. And this was so confusing to me as a young Christian. Satan comes to Adam and Eve and uh, he does not say, hate God. He doesn't even say, serve me. He didn't do that. He says, this is how God has created you. This is what God says. See, God sees like this. God's created you this way. This is how he sees you operating. This is how he sees the garden. This is how he sees where he's put... This is God's perspective. He said, what if you had a different perspective of the tree? And when they bought that, he got you. So God's going to come to you young men in the area of sexual temptation. And he's going to say, this is how God sees her. This is how I see her. And when you buy that, he's got you. It's a perspective. That's all that it is. Lying. All lying is, is a changing of perspective. This is God's definition of truth. Satan will come to you and say, try this definition. It's just, it's a twist. Every sin comes back to that. Every sin comes back to it in perspective. So literally what God wants to do in your life, and by the way, this will clear up some of the temptations of Jesus. I had a teen recently tell me, in, in light of a friend of mine's uh, study, whom you don't know, he's walking through Matthew chapter 4, and he says, I wish I could be tempted with the kind of temptations that Jesus was tempted with. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, he was tempted with turning stones into bread. Ooh. <laughs> you know, that's a real tough one there, you know. Satan tempted me today. What, he wanted me to turn stones into bread? Oh, are you okay? Did you make it? <laughs> that's like... But you understand, the issue wasn't the stones and the bread. The issue was a perspective that he was after. Don't rely on God. Rely on yourself. It's all perspective. So the number one way, listen to this, the fundamental in your life, the fundamental of a child of God is God wants to change the way you see on a daily basis. When you go home, he wants to change the way you look at your parents, at guys and girls, at your life. Uh, pain, suffering, your circumstances. Literally, he wants you to see your world through his eyes. Number one, Jesus does come down and live in your heart. When he comes down and live in your heart, he literally wants to change things, bring you into a whole nother world. The second thing that he says in the passage is God's eyes are like son of God. A son of God's eyes are like blazing fire and they have feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. If you go back again, look in the Old Testament, God is always showing up in these visions with bronze legs. And you're like, what's that all about? Okay, bronze legs has to do with conquering, has to do with God's going to go where God's going to go kind of a thing. In other words, don't get in his way, he'll smash it. Why? Because God is going this way and there's nothing that can stop him. When that is translated into our lives, God's bronze feet fit in your body, which is cool. So what does that mean? God's got a plan for your life. Who can stop it? No one. It's crazy. It's awesome. 
In fact, you look at, uh, we're in Thyatira. If you went over a couple churches to Philadelphia, Jesus says to this church, I know your deeds in verse 8 of chapter 3. I know your deeds and I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Do you know how encouraging that is? Here's what I find teens. Uh, we've teased about this in my group of preachers. I got a group of preachers that I'm with. We've, we've talked about this kind of stuff. Christians come up with disclaimers. You know what a disclaimer is? Turn on the television, the greatest, latest new drug comes on the market. It's going to create hair for bald men. It's going to be great. Okay, all the guys are... But it's really weird. In the beginning of the commercial, and sometimes popping in weird places, there will be this fuzzy, kind of blurred into the background text at the bottom of the screen. If it's a green background, it'll be light green letters. If it's a white background, it'll be white letters. And you're like, what was that? Push pause. If you read that, what you're reading is the, it's the disclaimer. You say, what's the disclaimer? That this thing is going to be great, but you could have diarrhea for a month, okay? Your toenails are going to fall out. You'll lose your eyelashes. Your hair will grow back, but it'll be afro. And, uh, you know, hey. It's called the disclaimer. Disclaimer. You know what's interesting about Christianity? There are no disclaimers. God is going to be victorious in your life. Unless you come from a broken home. Then you're kind of jacked. Sorry. There's no disclaimer. God's going to move in my life. and Man, he's going to, he's going to see through. I'm going to see with different eyes. I'm going to conquer. I'm going to overcome. And he's going to, Wow. Unless you're from a poor family. Then it probably won't work. No disclaimers. I was abused as a child. No disclaimers. I thought it was beautiful, the testimony of the girl uh, this week who talked about um, being adopted. And that, I mean... You're significant. Enemies tried to destroy you from birth, wherever you are. And it's a beautiful thing. And what's so absolutely wonderful, get this. Do you realize that nothing, I see, do you realize that nothing in your past, listen to this, do you realize that nothing in your past can hinder what God wants to do for you in your future? You know how crazy that is? Why? Because God has opened a door before you that no one can shut. He is walking in you with bronze legs. And so Christianity for you, when you go home, is not about, oh, I'm going to do it this time, and I'm going to focus, and I'm going to read. That's not Christianity. Christianity is going home and saying, I want to see the way you see. I want to feel the way you feel. I want to be involved in what you're involved in. Don't let me do anything without you. I want to be glued, focused, fixed. And you may not be into that. No pressure. But just don't call yourself a Christian. Don't pull an usher on me. All right? Because if you do, really quickly, here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to go home. Guys, I'll use the guys because I'm a guy. Guys are going to go home. And you're going to go home. How many of you have done this? You went home with this kind of, I'm going to do it mentality. But your perspective hasn't changed. You still see women as objects. So you're going to go out to the mud field and go, I can't watch this. And so I'll go back to this. I'll, I'll, I'll go swimming. Oh, I can't go over there either. 
I'll go watch people get broken noses, arms, legs, feet, face on the, on just, but I can't go there either. Because you'll find yourself walking from day to day with this polluted, twisted, corrupted perspective. And in order to live like that as a Christian, you have to limit things out of your life. When all the problem isn't the things you have to limit, the problem is your perspective. What if Jesus could come in and just cure that? Then you could go down to the mud field and have a big time. Just see that mud field like Jesus sees that mud field. It happened to me in college. I was uh, walking out of the office, um, of the RA office. My second semester, I, I went into Hills. And I roomed with uh, Kunatoshi, this Japanese guy. Pretty cool. And um, I was leaving to go out Saturday night. And I come down to check out, and all these guys were huddled in the RA office. You heard, you know, I told you this, didn't you? I told you everything. All the guys are huddled in the RA office around the TV. Saturday Night Live is on. They were doing this spinoff. And Pamela Anderson was introducing Saturday Night Live. And it was supposed to be the dumb blonde thing. And in order, uh, supposedly, that if you're nervous, you're supposed to imagine everybody in their underwear. Which would, you would freak me out if I, you know, imagine you in my underwear. But anyway, she was supposed to, if you're nervous, have you heard that before? You imagine people in their underwear. We're good. So, hey, if you're nervous, you imagine people in their underwear. Well, she, they played the ditzy blonde. And so what she did is she imagined herself naked. And so she introduced Saturday Night Live completely nude. And they showed it on television. But they just blurred out certain, certain spots. And so I'm checking out. And all these guys are in there watching television. I'm like, dude, something must really be good that's on. And so I run into the RA office. I was like, hey, what are you guys watching? And something happened to me that had never happened before. It was a divine, I've never forgot it. I shared it with Wes a long time ago, but I've never forgot this. It's very, very few rare times. Someone talked about visions, and I'm very careful now you talk about visions. You can get led astray by that kind of stuff. But if I've ever had a vision, this is one of them. And I looked at her, and for the first time in my life, I saw brokenness. I saw hurt. I saw exploitation. I saw someone who got her self-worth from her physical looks. And one day that would catch up with her. And it is. And she was a broken, hurting woman. And my heart was ripped and grinched. Just, and I walked out of that RA office. And Jesus said, Jeremiah, what if I could open your eyes so you could see the women of, of your day the way that I see them? And I said, I beg you to do that. And something changed in me from that point. And I was just different. Does that mean I'm not tempted anymore? No, it's just that I see through the temptation. That's Christianity, you guys. That's not, Jeremiah's so disciplined. I'm not disciplined. I'm a different human being than I used to be. The only way you can describe that, you can call it mysterious or I don't, hey, call it whatever you wanted to call it. But I'm telling you, the only thing you can describe that to is a supernatural act in my life that God did. Period. And I'm seeing through his eyes. And I don't dare walk away from Jesus. Because every time there's a distance between he and I, old thoughts begin to come back. And I don't know what that does to your theology. But I'll tell you what John Wesley said. John Wesley said, one moment without Jesus and I'm a devil again. 
And that's why Jeremiah and Jesus are... So I want to present to you tonight, as children of God, wouldn't it be something if you could see in ways that you've never seen before? If you could have perspectives changed? Stop trying to, and it sounds so odd, but stop trying to be a Christian. Trying Christians are so trying, my word. Wouldn't it be something if you could just, one prayer, God, go, and listen, you, I've been talking with some of you and some of you are, you, you talk like you're really aggressive at this. Get, get aggressive. Say stuff like, Jesus, I give you permission to embarrass me. I give you permission to mysteriously expose everywhere I've been on the internet. I give you permission to, to put me in a corner. Hey, break me down. Strip me of my friends. Take away physical health. I don't have to be popular anymore. I don't have to look like this. I don't have to look like that. I'm absolutely okay with your, the way you created me. I give you whatever you need to do in my life so that I can see like you see and feel like you feel and walk as you walk and used like you're used. I just, that's, the, that's the prayer of my life. The old timers called that being entirely sanctified. Literally, and some of them don't realize this, when you're entirely sanctified, your will is established back to the will of Adam himself before he sinned. That is what we believe is entire sanctification. Not, a, not an outward thing. It's an inside kind of thing because of the presence of Jesus, lights are on. And you're different. That's what we believe as a denomination. And I believe it with all my heart. So our band's going to come tonight, and um, I, again, I don't want to beat the drum on this, but uh, I, want to, I want to give you, yeah, I do want to beat the drum on this, <laughs> I do, I do, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I've got to know a few of you, and I think you're pretty wonderful. Some of you, I'm praying for you, I mean, I'm half praying for you, half holding back, choking you, but um, uh, I do, I've... I've I pray that God will just do a divine, a divine work in your life. And I think perhaps some of your prayers tonight could be a little bit more specific. A little bit more focused. Jesus, I want to be a different person. I really want to believe what the Bible says when I'm a new creation. Jesus, we love you tonight. I do. I want to love like I can't love. I want to have patience like I've never had patience.